Again, it's the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz with you, talking to the world of Hawkeye Athletics, Iowa. The Hoops team fresh off of back-to-back victories. One against top five ranked Michigan, the other road win last night against Indiana. Biz, the Hawkeyes back in the good graces of us after our conversation a week ago. Yeah, things kind of played out uh, as we called it, Trent. I think we both were somewhat optimistic. They'd play well against Michigan. Uh, I don't think either one of us expected a 15-point win, and... Uh, you know, a relatively easy victory, but, uh, you know, you know that's what happens when we played really well and uh, Michigan just played really poorly. I mean, that's, they couldn't – they missed a lot of bunnies, missed a lot of open shots, and uh, you know, played very uncharacteristic Michigan basketball. But uh, a heck of a win, and last night uh, wasn't the prettiest uh, win of all time. Any, any time, I don't care if uh, Indiana's lost eight, or not, eight of nine or not, uh, any time you can go into Bloomington and get a win, it's a good win. Yeah, there's no doubt. And last night there was a period in the second half as Indiana kept chipping away that it felt like maybe the Hawkeyes were going to run out of gas. That wasn't the case, a road victory, and I think certainly changes the perception for a lot of people going forward about what this team is, what they can be, and winning some games come NCAA tournament time. We're still a month and a half away from that. But, Biz, before we get into that a little bit more, you mentioned uh, first the Michigan game couple of factors there and really the biggest one and this is why Iowa can be such a difficult matchup for teams it's their ability to go inside and John Teske in the game didn't play a whole lot got in foul trouble right away not a whole lot of depth inside for Michigan they're able to pound the ball inside get it to Garza get it to Cook get going that way and we saw obviously what what it turned out to be after that so you had that component to it on the other hand the Indiana game different Garza gets in foul trouble himself, though Cook was really good, especially in the first half of the game, made some plays late. But to do it in a game on the road where Isaiah Moss was non-existent, Craner, who backing up Garza, was really bad for long stretches of that game, a couple of the ugliest shots that you're going to see a guy take. You had that happening. You had what else in the game? Wieskamp was really good in the first half, didn't do much offensively in the second half, and yet still get a road victory. What I'm getting to is this team is winning games in different fashions, and, and that's good news, I think, for this team going forward. I'm really impressed with our, our resolve in both games. You mentioned that it felt like things were kind of slipping away last night, but that, that same thing kind of happened in the Michigan game. You know, we're cruising along, and all of a sudden they go on a little run and get it down to five with, you know, 10, 12 minutes to go, and we immediately got it right back up to 10, and then it was pretty much game over from that point. And last night it felt like really the whole second half the game was kind of slipping away from us. Uh, there were a few questionable calls that went against us the second half. Uh, we certainly weren't shooting the ball well the second half. Heck, we had a possession where I think we had five looks at it, and all five of them were pretty good, and the ball just wouldn't go in the bucket. And you know, I think uh, last year that team probably crumbles in both those games and, and, and you know, getting uh, two what-if games. But this year, for whatever reason, this team's got a little more uh, – you know, testicular fortitude, I think, than uh, they've had in the past. And uh, they kept battling, and, you know, last night finally uh, we got some breaks to go our way. You know, you got the Tyler Cook turnaround jumper that, you know, probably isn't a real high percentage shot. And then you had the uh, 
J-Bo off balance three at the end, and, and things finally went our way. So really impressed with the resolve of the team in general. Those are two games that uh, certainly could have went the other direction, and, and we just kept battling and uh, found a way to win games, which uh, France teams, as we've talked about in the past, France teams always haven't always been the greatest at finding a way to win basketball games, but they've done that uh, pretty regularly this year. Yeah, and it really goes back, and I think the first time that we saw – Maybe this team is going to be different. Of course, early on the season, the neutral court wins against Oregon and UConn, those were nice, but we've seen both those teams haven't proved out to be really great teams by any means. But when they're on the road against Northwestern, doing it without Tyler Cook, they're down eight. Fran calls a timeout early in the second half, rips their asses, and it actually worked. They quickly turned around right back in the game, took the lead, and ended that long losing streak that they had on the road. And since then, you know, it, there has been a different tenor. There's been disappointments. What happened to Michigan State after the first 25 minutes of that game, the defensive effort against Minnesota. But this team, you can see what they're becoming, what they can be, I think, going forward. And one of the other things that I had from last night in the uh, win against Indiana that I mentioned on Twitter was just the swagger is back. And it's easy to have swagger when you're winning in comparison to a year ago when you lose every road game except for Illinois and you go 4-14, four and 14, you're not going to have a whole lot of swagger. But seeing Jordan Bohannon have that back, to see him out there talking a little bit to the Indiana and looking over to the Nicholson seats and having a little something to say after hitting a shot, he did that even in the first half of the game. Him and Cook playing with that swagger, something that feels like is needed for this group. Yeah, I don't know if you call it swagger or what it is with j Bo, but uh, for whatever reason, he seems to... Uh really be affected by social media sometimes. And I see he uh, posted some stuff today about uh, telling Indiana fans to not talk to him. And, he, and he's posted a couple things after other wins as well. But uh, that's all good when the shots are falling. But uh, it certainly seems like at times uh, the opposite of that is, has taken a hold as well. Sometimes he seems to kind of get in his own head a little bit. And, you know, I guess my my preference would be that he just not uh, comment at all on social media. But, uh that's probably not going to change. Uh, so, you know, I give him, I give him credit. He, uh, he seems to have uh, gotten back out of his funk again. But uh, as I've said repeatedly, all I care is that he shoots the basketball. I really don't care if it goes in or not. I just, if he's going to be out there, he better shoot. And, and last night he took whatever, 10, 12 shots, and, and you see what happens. It's, it's the games when he doesn't shoot that, that drive me nuts because he has to understand his role on this team. And, uh, Make or miss, his his uh, role is to shoot the basketball. So so keep firing, and uh, we'll see what happens. But you know, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be an appropriate podcast if we didn't complain a little bit, Trent. So my <laughs> my my gripe is that uh, why in the world did we come out playing man to man against that team last night? Uh, we basically spotted them fifteen points in the first five minutes before I realized, uh, wait, this is a, this is a team that can't shoot the ball. Uh, and is really slow at moving the basketball uh, side to side. So uh, I'm not sure what we saw on tape that said, yep, let's come play man-to-man against this team. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, you're, you're exactly right. And this is something that we have talked about for a long time. I've talked about Iowa finding a defensive identity, finding what they're going to be on that end of the floor. They're zone team. They're just better. They're, they're better on that. You can see with the eyes. I don't know what the analytics say, but I do know – with your eyes, when you walk this, watch this team, they're much better when they're in the zone. If you want to mix and match, you want to do some different things, you want to throw different things to keep offenses guessing, sure, do that a little bit, and that's Fran's M.O. 
he's going to continue to do that. But to understand that this is your best defense, you're playing on a team like Indiana, that isn't a great three-point shooting team, don't dink around with the man-to-man. Just go to the zone right away. Know that that's where you're going to win basketball games, and that's how you're going to get stops, and go from there. And I don't know. You, you wonder going forward, I wonder if this year, with the success that they're having, and let's say that that success keeps going, if some of the rigid rules in the past, it does feel like Fran at least has tried to adapt a little bit more, if he is more willing to change after seeing some of these things that we've complained about and, and how they've worked, if he's willing to even bend a little bit more going forward. I think we both know that's not going to happen, Trent. <laughs> if there was going to be a year where he'd bend some of those rules, this would probably be the year because his uh, rotation is certainly less than, than in the past. But you look at next year, he's going to be back to having a you know, 10-11 man rotation again, and, and, and some of those rules can go out the window as far as you know the, the, the two-foul rule and things like that. He's going to keep it in, in play. But uh, if there was ever a time when you needed to bring some guys back with two fouls, this would be the year because uh, – if you don't, you end up with guys like Riley Till in the court. But uh, as we've talked about in the past, uh, Fran is what he is, and uh, one of the things he is is he is uh, frustratingly stubborn from time to time. And so we're going to continue to see man-to-man from, from time to time. Uh, I think we're both in agreement, and I think the majority of Hawk fans are in agreement that they are a better zone team and that uh, that's our best option. But uh, we're going to see a mix going forward because that's what we've seen in the past, and uh, that's what we'll see in the future. Well, with the uh, future, you look forward here as Iowa's got eight more games remaining in the regular season. This stretch of four games that they just played previous, after the five-game winning streak, it was Michigan State, Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana. I think most everybody would have signed up for two and two, and that's how they got there. Though losing the first two, then winning the back two. Regardless how you get there, they sit at two and two, and now the schedule eases up. It starts Sunday with Northwestern, Rutgers after that, a couple more home games with Maryland and Indiana before three out of the four on the road to finish things up. Iowa goes five and three, dare I say six and two, getting to a top four seed. That seems like kind of the goal for a lot of people, getting to that top four seed and with it, maybe being able to play close to home in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. So you want to know if we're going to make the top four, Trent? You you got it for us? Well, I don't, but uh, uh, you know who does. So. Stat Boy. We turned to Stat Boy, exactly. So, uh... I gave him an assignment this week of basically trying to find out, uh, let's break down the top six, because we are, we are currently sixth in the Big Ten, and uh, can, we, can we pass two teams and get to the top four? So uh, are you ready to, to break down not only our remaining schedule, but the remaining schedule of the top six and see if it's going to happen? So this is for to be a top four and get the double buy in the Big Ten tournament? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so so Statboy broke down each of the uh, top six, six teams' uh, remaining schedule. and uh, Unfortunately, spoiler alert, Trent, it's going to take a lot for us to get the top four. That doesn't sound good. All no. Right. So we'll, we'll start with the two teams that are, are tied atop the conference. So I guess technically Michigan is currently a half game up, but uh, Michigan and Purdue both have two losses is all. Um, and you look at those two, one of them clearly has a, a more difficult route to uh, stay atop the uh, Big Ten. Uh, Michigan's schedule is infinitely more difficult than Purdue down the road. And, and when you break down the six, you see that Purdue has by far the easiest schedule remaining. So Michigan, 10-2, and two, eight games left. Six of those are against uh, the top six teams in the Big Ten. So uh, they've got to go – they've got to play Wisconsin. They still have to play Maryland twice, and they've got to play Michigan State twice. So uh, Michigan's going to have to uh, – 
played some good basketball down the stretch to stay in first place. But they are they are a full three games up on us, so the odds of us catching them, I think, are uh, probably unlikely. Mm-hmm. When you look at the eight teams they have left, overall record of 55-43, and 43. so uh, what you'll see is the second toughest of, of the, uh, the six. So Michigan uh, probably going to stay ahead of us, but probably going to have a hard time winning the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue, on the other hand, 9-2, and two, so they've got nine games left. Of those nine, only one of those is against a team with a winning record, and that is the uh, the next game on their schedule. They play at Maryland next. After that, their last eight games, not a single game against a team that's got a uh, a winning record. They do, they do have some relatively difficult uh, road games. They have to go on the road to Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska, and Minnesota. But uh, when you look at the combined record of their uh, their remaining opponents, 37 and 69. So if, if you want to congratulate the Big Ten uh, 2019 Big Ten champions, uh, Purdue would be your best bet right now. Well, and uh, people wonder about Fran McCaffrey maybe winning Big Ten Coach of the Year. If Matt Painter takes this group with the losses that they had from a year ago and they win the regular season title, that's your Coach of the Year in the league. Well, and, and like I said, it looks you know, if they just take care of business, they're going to be the Big Ten champs because Michigan's not going to get through that schedule without losing at least two or three more. If, if Purdue can go, uh, you know, sixteen and four, even fifteen and five, they're they're going to get at least a piece of the uh, piece of the title. Because as we jump into the next couple teams, Wisconsin and Michigan State, both nine and three, so a game back. Um, again, uh, one of them clearly has a more difficult schedule, and that's Michigan State. Michigan State's got uh, eight games left. Um, including two versus Michigan and at Wisconsin. Uh, but then the other five are all pretty winnable games in Michigan State. So uh, they have time to right the ship, but they've been a mess lately. They're the total uh, remaining record of the, uh, of the the record of the remaining eight games, 51 and 44. While on the flip side, Wisconsin uh, plays has eight games left. They have next two are very difficult, but then they have a much easier schedule down the road. Their next two are at Michigan and at home versus Michigan State. In their last six, the only game that they play against the team with the winning record is uh, against us in March. So 43-51 and 51 is the uh, overall record of the teams they play left coming up. So, uh, again, the Badgers are probably going to be a tough team for us to catch as well. Um, two games behind them. I think the only chance we really have to catch them is we've got to beat them uh, in the Kohl Center in March, which is uh, never an easy task. Not at all, though they did it two years ago, that freshman campaign with uh, J-Bo and Cook winning up there in the Kohl Center. Let's hope we see that one again. Yeah, that'd be nice. Just a, just a repeat. We just take it right now. So, <laughs> so then uh, the five and six, uh, you've got Maryland and you've got us. Um, I think there's a good chance if we pl- continue to play good basketball, we can get to the uh, the five spot relatively easily because uh, Maryland's got a brutal schedule down the stretch. Uh, seven games left, and of those seven, they've got to play Michigan twice, they've got to play Purdue, um, and they've got to play us. Uh, their next three are Purdue at Michigan at Iowa. So uh, by the time they come here uh, in a week and a half here, we, we may be a, have a chance to, to jump them and get into fifth place. Uh, 48 and 34 is the uh, the record to date for their uh, remaining opponents. And then, and then you've got us uh, at six, uh, eight games left. Six of those games are against teams with the losing records in the Big Ten uh, and an overall record of 41-54, and 54, which uh, gives us the second easiest remaining schedule of the six. So uh, when you look at it, is there a 
chance of us getting to the top four, yeah, there definitely is. But uh, even if we get to 13-7, and seven, which uh, would mean we'd have to go 6-2 and two, uh, in the last eight, it's still probably pretty doubtful because I don't think we're catching Michigan, Purdue, or Michigan State. Um, and we'd have to catch Wisconsin, uh, which means we'd have to beat them at home. So uh, best chance, Trent, is uh, you're going to have to win seven out of your last eight or win six out of eight and beat the Badgers at the Kohl Center. So uh, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but we're looking like we're probably going to be playing on, uh, what would it be, Thursday? Yes, yeah, playing play in the uh, yeah the first round. Well, I guess there's now the opening round with the 11-14 matchup and the 12-13 matchup moving on. So let's say Iowa is – a five seed. Who would you like to see as the four? Is it the Badgers? Who we? And I don't think you ever want to see the Badgers. <laughs> they're, a, you know, they're the one team, and we play such an odd brand of basketball this year. We've got an old school, you know, play through the post mentality. You know, I think the one team that's probably well equipped to stop us from doing that is Wisconsin, just because they've got some big guys, and, and more than anything, they're just so fundamentally sound. But. Uh, you know they're going to take away our best options, and so no, the the answer is never. You want to see the Badgers. Maybe last year was the one one year when that's an exception to the rule. But uh, I guess of those top four, uh, I would say Michigan or Purdue. I think those are two teams that uh, we probably match up with uh, better than Michigan State or Wisconsin. So we're saying you want to see Michigan or Purdue that four. The other one as the one on the same side of the bracket and. Michigan State and Wisconsin as the two and three seeds on the other side. And then we'll see them in Sunday in, uh, in the uh, championship game. How's that sound? Well, friends never made it to a Saturday, I don't believe. No, he has so not. Uh, let, let, let's, uh, let's, not get too, uh, let's not get too excited about making it to Sunday. Let, let, let's get to Saturday first and let's let it work out from there. Yeah, three and eight all time in the Big Ten tournament for Fran, including losses as uh, higher seeds against Indiana in 2017, Illinois in 2016, who was just terrible. Lost to Penn State in 2015, 2014. The loss to Northwestern hasn't been pretty at the Big Ten tournament for Fran. No, it is not. But uh, you know, maybe this is the year we turn it around and uh, at least get to Saturday. I think that I think that's our ultimate goal. Uh, you know, let, let's uh, let's get to that Final Four and see what happens. Another thing around here, Biz, uh, the conversation continues to be: What's it going to take for Iowa to get to play close to home, play in Des Moines for those opening two rounds, and? to get it to a top-four seed for the NCAA tournament. Really, the problem that I was running into, though, is it's not an automatic, that you get a top-four seed and you automatically get to play closer to home. Still, the team's above you. The 12, 13, 14, 15 teams in front of you, they still have the opportunity to play closer to home. And with the West Coast being very down in basketball this year, there's going to be a possibility that Iowa still could earn a top-four seed and still not play in Des Moines. So, it is going to take, you mentioned 6-2. and two. I mean, it might take something like Iowa going 7-1 the rest of the way and getting to the title game just for them to have a chance to probably get up to a top three seed and then play in Des Moines with it. So that one, I think, is going to be a stretch unless they're a little bit lower seed and they get the uh, the opportunity to play there. Just getting to the top four, it doesn't look like this year, probably going to be enough to be able to play in Des Moines. Well, and the bigger problem is, I saw an article, I think, I think it was Mark Emmert that wrote it, but there's just a ton of schools around here where Des Moines is the uh, the closest location for them this year. Pretty much every Big Ten school. So you've got Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, all of them hoping for the same thing, that they can get to Des Moines. Um, and there's rules against, obviously, if one of them is in, in a pod, uh, we can't be in that same pod. So 
you know, if, if two of those four stay ahead of us and they get top four seeds, they're most likely going to get to go to Des Moines before we are. So, and that doesn't even take into account, you know, Iowa State, Marquette, a few other uh, Midwest schools are looking for the same thing. So, I wouldn't hold out hope that we're going to Des Moines. I think we'd have to really, really, really finish strong for that to happen. You'd have to be looking at uh, probably eight or nine wins between uh, the last eight games and getting in the. Uh, the tournament. So, a right, question for you, Trent. We got eight games left. What's your uh, What's your prediction? What are we going to go? Five and three. Five and three is where I sit. Uh, there will be. I think they beat Maryland. I like the way they match up there. I think they beat with, uh, Nebraska on the road as that team continues on the free fall. I'd put losses though to Wisconsin, Ohio State on the road, and then something will be frustrating, like maybe next week at the, on the road at Rutgers and. Of course, people will be freaking out again. I'll say five and three. What do you got? I'm going six and two. Um, to me, it's pretty simple. The first part of the equation is you got to protect home court. We got four home games left, all of them very, very winnable. You got Northwestern, Maryland, Indiana, and Rutgers. The only one of those games we're not going to be uh, at least six, seven, eight point favorites is Maryland. Uh, so you win those four, and then you got to split the road games. Um, yeah, I think the only one that. We're going to be clear underdogs into that Wisconsin, but I would think at Rutgers, at Ohio State, and at Nebraska, you're talking uh, either a, a, a push or a slight favorite because initially I think it was a push last night. And, and I think uh, Indiana is probably uh, as good or better than Rutgers, Ohio State, or Nebraska right now. So I'll, I'll go with 6-2. and two. Um, the, the thing I really love about this team more than anything, Trent, is as excited as people have gotten about them and, and as good as they looked at time. I don't think you've seen a game where this team has been uh, truly clicking on all cylinders. You know, it's been a weird year because, you know, for a while J-Bo was struggling and Moss was on fire, and now that's flipped around. You know, the last couple of games, Moss can't hit the, the broad side of the barn, but J-Bo's gotten hot. Um, you know, Wee's camp's been kind of up and down. You know, the last couple of games, you know, Garza was unstoppable for a while, and he did nothing last night, and Against Michigan, Cook was terrible, and he turned around and, and filled in for Garza last night. So, you know, at some point we're going to get to see a game when all five starters uh, really are clicking on all cylinders. The only game where you could probably say that happened was the Illinois game, and, and we won by 30. So, you know, I'm optimistic. There's still potentially a, a, another gear that this team can get to. You know, obviously we've talked about it. There's flaws with this team. They're not perfect by any means, but uh, – you know, the way college basketball is these days, there's flaws with every team. I mean, Loyola Chicago made the Final Four last year. If, if this team continue to uh, gel, play well, and uh, get the right draw, you never know. Right draw, that's another big component there. And, you know, I had mentioned oh, a few weeks back on, on my radio show about seems like Iowa never gets that bracket that opens up. Well, they had the opportunity for a bracket open up back when they played Tennessee in the opening round in Dayton. That was the year that looked like they were going to have to play with a win in the round of 64. They'd have to play Duke. Well, Duke got beat that year. They got beat by Mercer, and the bracket opened up. So it has opened up, and that opened up when Iowa was winning basketball games. That, that would be great to see an upset on the other side of the bracket and it go their way. And uh, I'm just waiting for the phone call that the company jet, when Iowa gets their marching orders to San Jose, you're going to be uh, sending the company jet and bringing me along with uh, you to San Jose, right? Your uh, your employer is like the biggest radio station in the world now. Isn't <laughs> iHeartMedia I have? Uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, they let you use profanity a lot because I believe you used the word "ass" earlier. So apparently, uh, we can uh, we can now swear freely on the podcast yeah. and uh, 
you're given some leeway. So I assume the next next step up the corporate ladder, Trent, is a use of the iHeartMedia corporate jet. Well, I, I think there are tens of millions of dollars in debt. I don't think they're going to be sending a corporate jet for me anytime soon. We can hold out hope. Yeah, we can only hope. Hey, Biz, uh, one more thing. Football recruiting uh, signing period has come and gone. So much different than it was in years past, though. Year number two of the early signing period with the December signing period. Just not the same kind of buzz that goes along with it. Any takeaways from you? i got a new punter, grad transfer kid from Arizona State. Yeah, we got to talk about that. As the podcast, it was kind of the uh, Ron Caluzzi was kind of our, our jumping off point. Back the first few, first few episodes, we uh, showed a true, true affection for Ron, I think well before he became popular. And so uh, I, I don't see any way this goes any differently. This is, this is the next coming of Ron Caluzzi. That's a good thing. It turned out well for him. Had the big win against Michigan. He did a flip. It was all good with Rock and Rod. And now we got to find a, a good nickname for sleeping hold, sleeper holder, right? Is that his name? I see. I don't know. I don't know what his name is, but I see that he. Uh, I see that he kicks with both feet. Yes. So uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. If you actually if you actually have him do it both feet, but uh, yeah, clearly. Uh, the coaching staff saw the same issues we we had the last couple of years, and uh, you know he, he can't be any worse. I mean, we got nowhere to go but up. Uh, obviously, I assume his stats are a little bit skewed, being you know, punting in uh, ideal conditions. We'll see how he punts when when you have to punt in 25 degree weather and, and win. But uh, you know, at least from a statistical standpoint, it certainly looked like an upgrade. Michael Sleep Dalton is the. Uh... The guy's name. So yeah, we need a nickname because that's a terrible name. Yeah, yeah. He's Australian. He punts with both feet, and hopefully an upgrade uh, certainly there with the Hawks. Well, we got. We'll let Stat we'll Boy list a couple of a uh, couple possible nicknames, and maybe we can, maybe we can do some sort of a, a vote or a poll to yeah. get the, the new punter's nickname. That's a good idea. I, I like how you're thinking, Biz. Running out of time today. A little shorter podcast here on a Friday. What do you got this week for Biz's beat? Hey, kids. Gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. Well, last night was a, a pretty glorious night for uh, Iowa basketball in general. We've obviously talked about the nice road with Indiana, but uh, also a true butt kicking for the women's team as well as they beat their ranked Michigan State team. Um, two things uh, on that. First, uh, as a uh, a father of a nine-year-old girl that loves basketball, it's been fun to see Megan Gustafson. If you're listening and you've not seen her, get out and see her in the next three weeks because uh, she is uh, a model of efficiency. It is incredible to watch her ability to catch, turn, and shoot all in one motion and her uh, you know, ability to do that uh, time and time again and from different angles. And uh, She's fun to watch. Uh, so get out and see her the next three weeks, Trent. Bring bring Ella over, and uh, I'll buy you a beer. We can go go watch the Iowa women. That sounds so. good. I, I think I could handle that. Speaking of the women with that win, uh, they are number 12 in the RPI. The women still use the RPI in really good shape of hosting the first couple of re- uh, rounds at Carver-Hawkeye, maybe doing more regular season titles still uh, out there for this team. They get Ohio State on the road coming up this weekend. Maryland comes to town, who they're fighting with for that conference crown, and then Really, the schedule outside of that, not overly daunting going forward. So it could be a regular season uh, title in the Big Ten, something doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. Maybe a top three seed, and with it, a chance to make a run, get to the second weekend and the women's side of things, and that would certainly be good to see. And maybe travel for our buddy Dumps. 
Yeah. You never know. You know, if if, if they can uh, avoid, you know, if they can get to that top three seed and, and avoid the number ones, uh, I, I think they can be competitive against anybody except for those, you know, top four or five teams. If they can uh, avoid the true blue blood, blue blood, you never know. They maybe get to an elite eight or, you know, see if you can go on a run with, for Megan's last stand here. But uh, the other part of a business beat of the day, you get, you get a double beat this week, Trent. Uh, I had Stat Boy look. In the last 25 years, there's only been one time, uh, the 2014-2015 year, where both the men's and women's team uh, finished in the top three of the Big Ten. Uh, they did it in, in regularity back in uh, Tom Davis and the, the Vivian Stringer years. They did it back-to-back in 86-87 and 87-88, and then they, they did it again in 1993. But uh, only once in the last 25 years have they got to the top three. So, uh it looks likely the women might do it. If the men can go on a run, uh, you never know. We might be looking at a uh, truly historic year when it comes to a Big Ten finishes for the men and women. Yes, uh, that would be certainly awesome to see. And, well, as I complained about with the wrestling side of things, I don't, women's basketball, why don't they move the schedule back like two weeks or even a week? Wouldn't that make more sense when you're just not indoctrinated with the men's tournament and getting at least a little bit more pub out of it? Well, I think this year they're finally uh, doing it the same weekend because before they always did it the week before, and uh, that made no sense because then you got to wait like 10, 12 ga- days before your uh, the NCAA tournament starts, and, and you really don't get any uh, publicity anyway. So I, I don't think there's a good way to do it because regardless, you go f- move it forward a couple weeks, back a couple weeks, you know, the month of March is is, is filled with everything else anyway. So I'm, I'm not sure there's a good way to do it. I think you just got to uh, – Stick with what they're doing and realize that they're they're always probably going to be a, a niche sport and uh, you know, they'll get they'll get their fans and, and they're probably not going to get a lot of uh, random ones to to latch on when uh, March Madness is going on. Well, uh, game Sunday for the Hawkeye men against Northwestern, and then a quote unquote bye week. They're off until next Saturday against Rutgers. So we'll see. Are we going to pod next week, or are we going to take a week off and then go full bore going forward? Well, hopefully uh, our podcasts have been uh, completely up and down, Trent. Uh, you know, two podcasts ago we were coming off a five-game winning streak. Our last one, two-game uh, losing streak. This one, two-game winning streak again. So uh, I think if I think we just say as long as the Hawks do their job and, and beat a uh, an opponent that they certainly should at home, maybe we uh, we celebrate by taking the week off and and wait till we have something uh, something of more substance to discuss. Because uh, hopefully they win easily and there's not a lot to analyze after uh, Sunday's game. Well said, Biz. With that, we are out of here. We'll talk again soon, Biz. All right. Good luck.